liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe quick note before we begin, I will be having Pasta, Craig Jardula, Jimmy Dore, and Dave Smith. We will be cross-streaming on the Combo Couch and Liberty Lockdown next week. I believe it's Tuesday, so you're going to not want to miss this one. Uh, speaking of this one, you don't want to miss this one either. This is a two-parter. First part, I have Addie Ads, who's an investigative reporter in America, who went to Brazil to investigate the election there and the uprising that's occurring and he was confronted by government assets in Brazil. And I am the first person to get this story. So it's a pretty pretty interesting one. Uh, very intense. And I'll let you be the judge. Part two, we just had the unredacted CDC communications uh, between many of the doctors responsible for the lockdown protocols, vaccine mandates, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I brought in Dr. Chris Martinson, of peak prosperity to break them down because he understands that stuff even better than I do. And it's highly enlightening. You're going to enjoy both of these. Unfortunately, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, the Surgeon General of Florida, had to reschedule. So I think we'll be doing that the following week. I was expecting it to happen this week. Not going to happen. So too bad. When you have the higher profile guests, uh, they're very busy and their schedules, you know, I get backburnered because <laughs> I'm not that big yet. But maybe one of these days they'll take me seriously. They'll treat me like Joe Rogan and they'll be like, oh, I can't reschedule on Clint Russell. It's too big of an opportunity. We'll see. We'll see if I ever get there. I'm trying. Um, but I'm trying and you guys are helping because you share the show. You tell people about it. You hit you like, you hit the comment, you share it, you subscribe, all that stuff. Anyways, enjoy the episode. You guys are the best. Bye bye. Happy Sunday. Happy, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I missed you. Um, today I am having on Addy Ads. We have a longtime associate friend of mine. Uh, he, I, I would consider him an investigative reporter. I don't know if he classifies himself as such, but uh, without further ado, he's got a great, he's got a very interesting story. He DM'd me about, and I was like, all right, dude, you got to tell me this story. So without further ado, Mr. Addy Ads, what's up, brother? Hey, Clint. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. It's good to reconnect. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at some point. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. This is my life now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to come visit you. And you're, you're, I think, deep down south, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tip, of, tip of Florida, um, down, well, Aventura, so northern uh, Miami area. Oh, um, nice. But you okay. were you were telling me that you were just in Brazil. Give me give me the lowdown, man. I didn't know you were there. I didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, um, yeah. But you got a pretty sure. crazy story. It sounds like so <laughs> late on me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I was actually supposed to be there at least until tomorrow, uh, the twenty eighth. We had to leave after about five days uh, because we basically got threatened by intelligence agents. But uh, going back to the Sunday before that. Uh, I had a, a death in the family, um, so I was up here. I'm back in Wisconsin now, and I had to take care of that. And then my publisher at the National File, uh, who I'm writing for now, uh, he asked me, do you want to go to Brazil? And I was like, are you joking? He's like, no. So I was like, of course I want to go to Brazil. And uh, for those that don't know, they are in the midst of 
something very akin to what we went through in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, my publishers basically told me they are about to have their own version of January 6th. And what I mean by that is this election that they just have had uh, is very controversial uh, because for several reasons, it used uh, electronic voting machines. And as far as the eye tests, uh, the gut tests and um, the rest go, social media, et cetera, uh, it would seem that uh, the incumbent Jair Bolsonaro would have won uh, in a runaway, in a landslide. Um, but the uh, the challenger, uh, his name is Ignacio Lula, who uh, has ties to communists uh, uh, across the world uh, going back several years uh, and was also a convicted felon, uh, installed his own Supreme Court. And uh, I'm going to be honest, Clint, uh, I'm... I was an amateur on Brazil until I was about to be sent there. So I know there are more people people out there who know more about it than I do. Sure. Uh, but I know probably more than a lot of Americans do. So I just want to put that out there. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you haven't told me anything I don't know yet. Uh, I've I've followed the, the Brazil election. And um, honestly, because I know YouTube's guidelines are that we are not allowed to discuss even the controversy around the election, that this is going to be a, a rumble exclusive. So... Um, you know, tell tell the truth, man. Whatever you think as to what transpired, I, I'm of the opinion, at least just on a, you know, on a gut level, it seems as if there was probably shenanigans. But I, you know, I'm also friends with some more left leaning. Um, I don't know if they would consider themselves anarchists, but, uh, you know, people that don't trust the government. But for whatever reason, they they strongly believe that the election was legitimate. So uh, what's what's your read on it? Yeah, it's well. I I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I might give an opinion on it, but we're all biased. But I, I'll just tell you what the facts are first, and then I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, go for it. So it, within the past year, our CIA director William Burns and the National Security Advisor Sullivan went there, as you probably know. Uh, and Burns told Bolsonaro not to mess with the electronic uh, voting machines, which. If you don't already know, uh, are a great way to steal elections, uh, and <laughs> the very nature of software uh, itself is is mercurial to the point that you can cover your tracks. Um, right. And uh, and somebody who told me that was an, a software expert in software for thirty years. So, um, where I don't think Clinton or I are here to have that debate because it's it's really a silly one for people yeah. who know what's going on. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, like, I'm not an expert enough to have a real strong opinion, but it's just fucking obvious. Like, if you're if you're going to have an election, um, which, I, you know, I'm not a big believer in democracy to begin with, but it's just so obvious that if you were going to try and rig elections, you would like to have something electronic that would make it easier to not just manipulate, but do so in a way that's very hard to identify. And, right. you know, right. I, don't, sure. I don't have a strong opinion as to whether or not the U.S. election was manipulated in 2020. Um, you know, the energy in the country, it definitely st strikes me as uh, a little surprising that someone like Joe Biden would get over 80 million, but you know, whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, it's fishy. And um, it, it, just sidebar for one second, I would say what's even more fishy or, or obvious from someone's point of view is what is happening or happened in Arizona with Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs. I mean, that's just, so it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, a bad, it's a bad movie, but one second. Um, so went there and uh, 
And and many Brazilians told me this too. That they said we're not here for Bolsonaro. We're here for election transparency to get rid of audit uh, or to get rid of electronic machines to get an audit of this past election, uh, which the military in their country has the right to do. But they weren't given all of the information, so they uh, they basically said we cannot determine if this one way or another what happened. Uh, right. I think yeah. that was the mistake with the J6ers is like, they're like, we're here for Trump. You know, it was like, instead of just being there, like, hey, we want to make sure that this was on the up and up. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're sorry right. for the aside, but I, I no, think no. that that would have been a much more meaningful stand to take to say, we're not doing it for this guy, this guy who the left is claiming is a dictator and we worship him like a dictator. Well, we're out here and we sound as if we're worshiping him like a dictator. No, we're actually here just because we do not trust the election process. But they didn't go that route, and, you know, we know the history yeah. now. No, that's fair, and, and that's not, you know, don't apologize, because there's so many, not only parallels, but connections to to our election in Brazil. So yeah. it's very valid to bring that up. Yes. And Even the style of leadership, you know, Bolsonaro is very much cut from the same cloth as the Trump, in my opinion. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think Trump is, might be smarter than him. Um, I'm not positive about that, but he seems to be. Um, from what I've been told, but granted, the person who told me this wants Lula in power. He says Bolsonaro is not very smart, but that his VP is. I think his VP was a, a general. And some mm-hmm. people told me he was an indigenous, uh, and then other people told me he wasn't. So I, I think the jury isn't out on that for, for me yet. Um, but speaking of the indigenous peoples, there are tribal uh, tribes, in, indigenous tribes who who were at the rally. I actually interviewed a, a tribal chief there who endorsed Donald Trump as well as Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> and it, it is, is, is awesome. So it's so interesting because I had this translator and um, he's a really, really passionate guy. I'm going to post that as well. Um, I, I, the national, national file did post it, but because of my family stuff, the fact that this week was Thanksgiving and the fact that we had to bug out in a hurry, I really haven't, gotten a lot of stuff out um but fortunately i have i'm i'm in a hotel by myself locked locked in a hotel today and i'm just reaching out doing interviews so i should be able to publish more of that stuff today on social so i'll be sure sure to send those over to you clint um so yeah uh, definitely supplement this um this show we're doing because they're going to be people who say oh that didn't happen this kid's lying but i have this guy on camera threatening to put me in a black site in the middle of the ocean and I have him on camera saying he basically, he didn't use the word veteran, but that he worked in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, hmm. If he didn't say veteran, he probably was in some sort of contractor position. So you can use your imagination on what that could. Yeah. Um, this is the indigenous tribal leader that you're talking about? I'm sorry, I'm moving ahead. I'm talking about the intelligence asset that intimidated me later in the week. The oh, tribal okay. leader is uh, on the up and up. He, he didn't speak English. Um, they actually have their own language. I don't know what it's called, but it's some sort of um, sort of native language. But they also speak Portuguese, so they can speak with the, their other Brazilians as well. So Interesting. Uh, that was during the week, and it was mostly raining the whole time. Uh there was a, a couple gaps where it wasn't raining. And then on Friday, Friday last, not this past uh, Friday, uh, we had pretty much the whole day was nice. And th- that was our only time, really, we had some downtime. We got to go swimming uh, in the lake, uh, actually the lake where Bolsonaro has his his uh, residence. 
Uh, it's very beautiful there. But that evening we had a, uh, I had a, an interview with two local uh, kind of conservative politician guys. Uh, one was a campaign manager and another guy was a lawyer. And that those went well. Uh, they were kind of younger guys. I think they were a little bit older than me, but younger than everybody else at the table. Um, and we had a translator. It went well. Those guys, I don't think they were in on what happened. But backing up a little bit, I was on Lee Stranahan's show. So I was late. So my friend who was acting as my bodyguard, uh, he went first to go meet up with um, these uh, Brazilian political guys. And I stayed back. I did my show with Lee. And then I Ubered there. So I was late. I was pretty late, like an, over an hour. And I get there and... I'm introduced to a woman who says she's an FBI agent and a man who says he works for the State Department. And they gave us their contact information. I have, I'll send those to you as well. Mm -hmm. I have their uh, FBI email and their State Department emails. And Contreras, the State Department guy, gave us his, his State Department business card as well. Hmm. So... Uh, the interview goes well the younger guys they take off they got to go home or do work or whatever and so we're kind of hanging out having a drink and I, i'm at this point i'm sitting next to another person who was at the table the whole time and he was acting as the translator he was the bar owner and his name is renato tibet t-e-b-e-t and my impression of him was wow this guy's pretty impressive he owns two bars and he's only 33 that's that's pretty impressive I also noticed that he's he's very smooth with people, which I, I think is probably maybe a lot of bar owners are. But for his age, I was like, he's he's going to talk to people for a young a younger guy. Sure. Um, and he also told me that he's cousins with Simone Tibet, same last name, an uncommon last name. My host told me, and Simone Tibet was the presidential candidate who got third behind Bolsonaro and Lula. And he also told me that uh, Bolsonaro kind of ignored Tibet and it seemed to be a political blunder because uh, she became captured by Lula in some or by, um, yeah, by Lula in some way. And the bar owner told me he stands to make a lot of money if Lula takes power and that Bolsonaro is in general fairer to people at large, uh, to, the, to the group, to the country, whereas Lula is... Uh, as in Mexico, uh, going to, you know, benefit the his presidency will benefit his buddies basically, and right. who he likes and who can help him. And this is the guy who wants him in power. That guy told me that um, with a bar owner, and uh, Miguel Contreras, the State Department employee, who is a Mexican American. Uh, he's originally from Mexico. He served in the Marines. He's forty-seven years old. He wanted to go to Renato's other bar called Jungle Bar. The bar we were first at was called Dobe or Dobie, spelled like Kobe, but with a D. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of an old, older-ish crowd uh, slash calmer crowd. And the, the Jungle Bar was a young crowd, uh, even younger than me. There were kids like 20, um, 21, 19, um, and more people, louder, you know, a little bit harder to hear. We sit down right away um, after we traveled over there in diplomatic plated vehicles, uh, during the ride, Contreras bragged that, that we were untouchable because of that. The, uh, and that's the way they, sidebar, they, they traffic a lot of stuff is diplomatic plates, diplomatic immunity, diplomatic couriers, because you can't search their bags. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't search their vehicles. 
Uh, so he was boasting about that. We get there, and almost immediately, a young woman who is a redhead, uh, she writes on a napkin, uh, I think you're handsome. Uh, send me a message if you want to my bodyguard. And he rejects her right away. It took about 20 to 25 minutes of persuasion from at least two other people uh, for my bodyguard, a British Texan who I like to call Big Tex, to finally relent and, and go across the room and sit next to her. After he did that, two young brunettes came over and sat by me. I didn't know it at the time, but one of them, the, the cuter one who told me her name was Bianca, was actually the girlfriend of Renato, the bar owner. And her real name is Natalie Ribeiro. And we found that on, on social media. And we found her LinkedIn. We found um, pictures of them together. And I went to the bathroom and I came back and Renato's sitting in my seat. So one of my friends contended to me. I think she was enjoying her job too much. Or, or maybe Renato thought she, she might have been because it seemed like he got jealous. I was like, okay, that's a little weird. But I was like, whatever. And then I go and sit next to her. And I, I'll admit we did let our guards down a bit. And after a, like not much, like two minutes, three minutes maybe, uh, the beard walks over. I'm, I'm calling him the beard so people can, because uh, he didn't tell us his name. And that's the thing too, is he, he fit the bill of what uh, Jeff Prather kind of describes former operators as. They have huge beards like down to here often. And they, they use that as a kind of tool to get rapport with uh, the Taliban because the Taliban, um, all the men have beards. Uh, so that's like the one thing, it's a joke actually among the Intel, Intel community. It's like, what's the Taliban and, um, former, uh, Intel ops have in common. And that's big beard, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so he spoke French or at least pretended to speak French and he had an accent, um, or at least he pretended to have an accent. Uh, it seemed to me to be real. And he, he kept trying to get me to, to drink more throughout the, um, the night. It wasn't poisoned. I know that because he drank it himself, but I think he just wanted to get me drunk um, right. to further be able to manipulate me. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm a journalist. I'm covering the demonstrations um, here in Brasilia. And then he said, what are you doing here? And I said, <laughs> you know, there's a beat. And I was like, oh, I know what's going on. Uh, he then proceeded to tell me that we are watching every ping, every text, every article you put out. We're reading all of them. Uh, made it clear that we're not welcome and uh, that we should leave, uh, basically. And, and after a – oh, yeah. And then he also – he kept asking me to go for a walk with him. And I said, I'm not going for a walk with you. <laughs> good, good, good decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this point – I didn't realize it, but they basically split up myself, my bodyguard, and my backpack, which had all of my electronics in it. Oh, it was shit. still in Miguel Contreras' car. Uh, and we began to talk in circles for a couple minutes, and or after a couple minutes, and I was like, okay, I got to go let my friend know what's going on, big text. And uh, I walk over, and I whisper in his ear, I was like, uh, "We, I think we just walked into a trap. That guy was talking to me over there. He told me that the girl you're talking to is with them. And I think they're CIA. That was my first guess. And you know what's funny is when I, before I sat down at the table at the first bar, when dude said he was State Department, my first thought was Central Intelligence Agency. But I didn't say anything. And I think Con Contreras could see that I was a little bit nervous. And then he bought me a drink. He said, you, you okay? You nervous? And I was like, I'm okay. 
Um, cause I, I was, I was like, dude, and I, I don't know if, I, I don't know what my bodyguard was thinking at the time, but he, he certainly seemed more relaxed than I did. I'm not sure if, uh, I'm, I eventually figured it all out, but, um, so I told him that and, uh, I went back over there and after a couple minutes, my, my bodyguard came over and started taping him, uh, kind of like a, a counter ambush, <laughs> I guess, counterintelligence ambush. And, uh. You know, I got in his face. I was like, you know, I swore on it. I was like, what are you going to do, buddy? Are you going to kill us? Um, and. Wait, you know, who, which, which, is this the beard or? Beard. Yeah, I'm talking to okay. the beard in his yeah. face. Because he was the only one really that was overtly. Right. Uh, intimidating. And everybody else was like, at least pretending to be very kind. And that kind of switched later. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we got him on camera uh, and my interactions with him and you want to run that yeah yeah you could do that i think um if you want to just and i'll i'll add the uh the un uh because i linked up music to it um and i'll post the non-music added stuff today but i put it in the private chat if you want to just play it while i'm talking uh maybe without volume you can do that and then i promise people you'll be able to hear what this guy says and what the woman says too because I asked him, I was like, you, you know her, don't you? I was like, you know that woman over there, don't you? And they, they denied it. And she was like trying to cover her face. And I, I think we made him look really silly and stupid <laughs> uh, at the end of the day. It seemed to collapse there. Um, yeah, yeah. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to, um, to yeah, play the audio right now. I'm just going to um, play it without audio. So we're, you can okay. continue to, to talk, yeah. but I just thought people would be interested in seeing, you know, For this sure. actually happened at least, uh, you know, whether, whether you'll yeah. read as to who is who and, and, you know, their positions in the government and stuff like that, like, yep. well, that'll take more research, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, go, yeah. go ahead and continue. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's my host and, um, you know, you'll see B-roll from, from Brasilia here. It was the only city we were in. And like I mentioned, we were supposed to be there at least until tomorrow, possibly longer, if, depending on which way things were going. Because we literally had just started to pick up momentum. The crowd and demonstrators seemed to be getting bigger as well. And we were finally starting to, to link up with people who spoke English because that was very difficult. I, I also have to mention, I didn't meet a single international journalist there. Um, really? Really? Not one, not one. And uh, like I said, even finding anyone who spoke English was quite a task. Um, but we did finally link up with some media people, including the uh, the media people of uh, a journalist. His name is uh, Osvaldo Ustachio or Ustachio. And he was uh, he was arrested three times. He had his arm broken uh, by security, uh, state security, and he was tortured. He, he can't even walk now. Uh, he's in a, a wheelchair. <clears throat> and uh, the guy who, and that's that video right there, that's us in Miguel Contreras' car, the diplomatic plated car going over to uh, to the jungle bar. Um, and there's his, <laughs> there is a business yeah. card. And uh, yeah, I kind of type it out on, and that's Look. the aftermath after the fight. There's Contreras. He tries to smack my his, my phone out of my hands. Look at that. And then he gets all, he tries to get all menacing. Look at this guy. His shirt's like split. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, it's too funny. I just got to laugh at it. No. Wait, was that Miguel Contreras? Yeah, yeah, that was Contreras and then Renato Tibet, the cousin of Simone Tibet, who was telling that. Contreras was the guy with his shirt unbuckled, buttoned, and he was like going like this. Right, yeah, there right, he right. is. 
Yep, there's Tibet, and there's his girlfriend, Natalie Ribeiro. Uh, yeah, there's Sexual Lurl, the redhead. There's the asset, the beard, yeah. uh, the guy who threatened us. He said, act like an effing professional jurist. He said, calling your big friend to protect you is just damn. That's what, that's what he said. Hmm. Um, and then I told him to swing at me. I said, I want you to hit me, bro. And look, he almost like, it almost looked like he balled up his fist for a second. But It definitely looked like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like egging him on. And then he says, yeah, and then you end up in a ship in the middle of the effing ocean on a black site. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'm going to send this to Clint without music. And um, look, he's a he's literally a clown. There's a Kristen Parkhouse, the FBI agent, FBI, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I, this is where I confront them. I say, you know her, don't you? So um, it's kind of it's it's kind of funny. I, I don't think I think they underestimated us, honestly. Clint. it's uh, we well, made him look dumb. See, she's like trying to cover her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Not sure how long this lasted, but we we didn't get back to the crib till like three thirty or something. Yeah. So then my bodyguard, after Contreras pushed me three times, three or four times, he, he put him on the ground, and I kind of held him down. And finally, he relented. He's like, "Okay, I'll get, I'll give you your backpack." We walk over to the car, which is pretty close, about ten yards away. The street is. That's the aftermath of the fight. Uh, he opens his car, unlocks it, gives me my backpack, and then he says, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. Uh, and wow. after the fight, all the assets were gone. The beard was gone. All the women were gone. And, um, yeah, there's the – and the, the, another thing, too, which was kind of a tell, is the redhead didn't want me to take a picture of her. That, that guy next to him, he was, he was so funny. I don't think he was in on it. He was just a random dude. And I think yeah. he wanted, I think he thought that I wanted to take a picture of them too. So he's he, in his accent. He's like, come on, just one picture. And he's like really <laughs> drunk. And there was like, yeah, that's me. And um, and you can see his reaction. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when my when uh, Big Tex walks over, the British Texan. So what, and, what was the, the context of you even having this meeting with these people? That's a great question. It was to to interview those the lawyer that I mentioned earlier and the campaign manager, you know, just to get a, a, a lay of the land a bit and you know uh, what's it like, you know, you know, it's just a just an interview. You know, I, I've done lots of interviews like that before. This is the uh, campaign manager, not for Lula, but the person who came in third. Uh, I don't know specifically who he's managed for. It wasn't for any of the main candidates but okay. they were conservative so not not uh, associated with um with lula's camp yeah uh, but i could be wrong but this is just my my intuition uh clint i haven't looked in into their background they seemed not to be in on it because they were younger guys and they kind of just seemed to be you know wanting to to talk to a journalist um the 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 strange thing was why was a state department and fbi employee there too you know speaking really good english yeah. <laughs> well and, Americans, and, you know? and, and why are they there above board why are they actually telling you who they are i think that's that's kind of interesting as well because i like if they're up to no good i would expect them to just not tell you um so that's kind of interesting so you're you're there basically to to cover well, from from the American perspective, at least from the you know forever online libertarian <laughs> American perspective, it, it has seemed as if there's the potential for a revolution. I mean, it it, it looks sure. like 
Okay. Okay. So that, that sure. is that is actually what's happening. So I wanted ahead. to yeah, I wanted yeah. to add to that uh, what you just said. I did manage to get one article out, and the reason I say that is, um, and I can do both or all three rather, but it's hard to um, to both report and write um, for a couple of reasons. Time is one of them, but also there is a. a attentional transition opportunity cost whereby it takes several minutes like 20 minutes or so to change tasks um different types of tasks and and um and get into the flow the flow state as they call it uh but also it, it really was just time because we're traveling i'm interviewing people and trying to find a quiet space to write was tough but one article i did get out um and let me pull this up for you clint because uh, it's already published um, and you can pull it related to what you just said about uh, a revolution. A revolution. Uh, I interviewed uh, a guy, and I didn't know this, but Brazil allow firearms, um, and they have some six hundred thousand people con- who do. Your connection's spotty. Your connection's spotty. Um, hold on, ten seconds for you to catch up. Okay. 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 Let me pull this up. Okay, I just sent you the article. Okay. Can you hear me okay, Clint? Yeah, it's be- it's better now. It was uh it was choppy for a second. Okay, okay. So I'll just repeat what I said. Give me a second. Yep. So related to what you just said, I didn't realize this, but um Brazilian citizens are allowed to have firearms if they go through uh, the proper documentation and steps. It's more difficult than it is here, but uh, they are allowed to have firearms. Um, some 600,000 do, most of them, according to this guy, Vinny Rosignolo, I interviewed, uh, are are with the cause. He's actually a chef, uh, and he appeared on Brazil Top Chef, too, uh, uh, several years ago. So it's very interesting. And uh, as I mentioned, and he clarifies, it's against censorship, electronic voting machines, and uh, in general, for more transparency, not just against the election in support of, of Bolsonaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and several people, including Vinny, uh, they contend that Lula is going to try to disarm the populace. Um, and one of my friends there actually bought some, he bought some more firearms uh, while we were there. It's kind of interesting. Unfortunately, we had to go to work. So we only had about five, literally five minutes to browse the firearm store. But well, Lula's a, I mean, I, I think a self-avowed socialist, right? Uh, yes, I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Even so with ties to communists. Right, right. Ties. In and out of rehab. Perhaps little too fond of the yayo heroin crystal meth oh brother get out of here especially when you have a sponsor of liberty lockdown like thc hemp spot get your life together what are you doing these people have candy bars honey sticks chewing gum smokables edibles gummies concentrates hash shatter your bones with this stuff folks thchempspot.com Free shipping on orders over $100. The name, ladies and gentlemen, is THCHempspot.com. Get your life together. Only do THCHempspot.com. Coupon code CLINT will get you 15% off exclusively for my audience. Again, 
coupon code Clint, thchempspot.com. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would, I would certainly categorize him as a communist, but, uh, you know, the political realm, he would probably call himself a socialist, uh, but that it's not at all surprising. He would be interested in disarmament. You know, that's, that's very common, especially amongst, uh, you know, socialist or communist leaning politicians. Uh, so, I mean, the, the protests have looked to be pretty extraordinary. Uh, did you get to see any of them? I did. Yeah, I got, um, we went to the headquarters of the, uh, military, which is for the whole nation. It's based in the capital. Uh, Brasilia. Uh, interesting fact about Brasilia is actually manufactured uh, to be a capital because it's strategically in a much easier to defend location there in the middle of the country as opposed to um, along the coast where it's uh, an easier target for invading armies. Right. But, uh, and what you mentioned about revolution, this article may have been the straw that broke the intelligence camel's back. Yeah. Um, even though it was the only one I had time to write. Uh, and part of that was Vinny speaks very good English and he seems to be legitimate when he says we're, we're, uh, what was the quote? We are here to give our blood if necessary. Right. Um, that was the quote. That was the lead. So, um, uh, yeah, 600,000 yeah. people with weapons. <clears throat> I don't care how many, um, no, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, that's it's um, trying to trying to eliminate that threat from whatever angle or side you you look at it. It's you're looking at a, a prolonged military conflict, probably, and may, maybe even a guerrilla war after a while. So, so are they convinced that it was stolen? Yes, yeah. for sure. I mean, because sure like it seems to me like the the primary reason you can't get that type of revolution in America is because people still. Even if they think that there's shenanigans with the election, there's not enough certitude. Like, you don't know it for sure, for sure. And if you're going to, like, risk your life over something, you kind of have to know. So it seems yeah. you know, that that's why I asked if they're if they're convinced. Well, then that means that they believe they don't have any democratic uh, pathway to try and remedy the, the situation that they see in front of them. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what plays out. But uh, I guess. I should ask your opinion as to why would State Department or FBI people be uh, in Brazil? Uh, is it is it to try and you know smooth over and and prevent a revolution or spark one? Do you have any opinion there? I'm not sure I do yet, Clint. But another great question. Uh, I was just on Paul Cottrell's show, um, and he asked me the same thing. And I'm I'm not sure, man, because. We talked about the fact that historically, and you probably know this, I'm sure you do, uh, the CIA generally tries to topple socialist, left-leaning communists in Central and South America and right. install right-wing dictators. But in this case, they're basically trying to assert that Bolsonaro is a right-wing dictator, which he really is not, in favor of Lula, who's for sure a socialist, if not a communist. So it's almost like the CIA's thing is, is flipped. And that's where I think we should talk about China and the, and the CCP because they do have ties to uh, to Lula. And uh, I also want to mention as well, Brazil is a huge exporter of beef and soy. And one of their biggest clients is China. And China has a lot of mouths to feed, over a billion. And that's really their biggest strategic concern. They're not concerned about an invading army. Nobody wants to invade China <laughs> right now. Uh, and 
their I think their biggest concern is is getting enough resources to feed all those people. So Brazil and China are kind of tied at the hip a little bit with regards to that because their biggest client for food buying uh, is 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 um, what do they call it? The Brazil? Middle Kingdom, the sleeping giant, the the red dragon, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's and, interesting because China also, uh, you know, since you've been on the road, you may not have been following it, but um, there has been some, you know, inklings of revolution there because of their COVID zero or zero COVID policy. Uh, so very interesting that, that that that's, you know, that they have connections because I, I was honestly totally unaware. Wow. Well, I did. Yeah, I saw Gordon Chang tweeted last night and they were they were protesting in mass. I saw, too. Right, which is very rare in China. You know, you have to be willing to risk, you know, imprisonment for a very long time if you're going to protest anything in China, as we saw with the Hong Kong people. I mean, um, so it, it's it seems as if they're kind of at the end of their their rope when it comes to you know dealing with the COVID uh, protocols, and I don't blame them. I mean, we're three years deep into this shit. It would be very exhausting to still be getting treated like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remember the name of the the communist that Lula is, is tied to, uh, a woman, Bulgarian communist, her name is Arina Bokova. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so she t uh, ties to her, and I'll send you that article, too, and that's on, that's on the national file. My, uh, my colleague Frankie did the, did that one. Um, so it, it runs pretty deep here, and, uh, you know, there's the, the CCP influence and the CIA influence, so, which, again, leads me to, to think, like, what, like, does the CCP have something on the CIA? Or mm. why are they now seemingly working together to try to install Lula? Um, yeah, well, I think that's a great question, man, because, um, you know, anyone who's thinking critically has to be questioning why we didn't investigate the origin of COVID. I mean, the fact that it almost certainly came from the Wuhan lab and, you know, the fact that Fauci and the NIH were funding that research in that lab, and then it's basically been covered up entirely. I mean, and yeah. it, it's it's very frustrating because our government blames it on the CCP, saying, "Oh, well, they, you know, they're responsible for what occurred in that that lab, and they're not turning over the uh, information that we need to come to a conclusion as to whether or not it came from that lab." But it's like, well, you motherfuckers were funding that you know, a huge percentage of the research that was occurring in that lab. So I, I don't buy for a second that you guys aren't in this together in some way. For sure. Uh, and for sure. and I, I think your point is well taken that, yes, I think that the socialists or the communists in America are right when they lament the fact that our CIA has been responsible for toppling many left-leaning populist-type leaders, particularly in Latin America, but the world over more broadly. And, and now it seems to be the inverse of that, that we are uplifting and supporting perhaps, I mean, not perhaps, but very probably corrupt leaders like Lula in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating shift that I think people should be paying attention to. Yeah. And, and I want to mention another guy who's very important here. <clears throat> he may be the most powerful man in Brazil right now. Uh, he's Supreme Court Justice. Mm. An electoral justice, uh, court justice. His name is Alexander de Moraes, and people are, are really afraid of him. Uh, he seems to be the man who went after Oswaldo Stasio and, and tortured him, really. And funnily enough, too, when, the day I got there on Monday the 14th, uh, 
Demorais and several other court justices were actually in Manhattan. Uh, they were in New York City and they were doing some sort of democracy summit, uh, an event at a, an exclusive, uh, I think it was the, it was at the, the Harvard Club or the, some, it was at, attached to Harvard. I know that because Paul, Paul's going to Harvard right now and he, he walked past them, he told me on Monday. He saw them demonstrating and they, um, a bunch of Brazilians who live in New York came out um, and, and did that. And Brazilians told me they, they found it very uh, hypocritical and ironic that while this these protests were going on, uh, Demarais and the justices were in New York uh, lauding democracy. Uh, they, thought, they thought that was pretty uh, pretty yeah. interesting. That's very, very sketchy. And, and I mean, I, I've heard that there has been some Supreme Court rulings over the past year that were really important. Was this guy like a deciding vote? Is that why he's considered to be so powerful? Do you know the details there? I know I'm getting in the weeds on you. Yeah, yeah, that is getting in the weeds. Um, I was just about to say, I think that's the extent of what I can tell you off, off the top of the dome, Clint. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, uh, I'll just tell my of, audience that they should look into it because uh, yeah, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna follow up too. Short of reading reading the articles verbatim, which are on the national file, which I recommend people check out. But some more should go up today, including our, our tribal chief endorsing Donald Trump and Jesus, and <laughs> um, and this intelligence operation too. Uh, so uh, so what, yeah. what's the what's the energy there, man? Do you think that that this is a a revolution that's coming or? A war? I mean, what what's your opinion? Two of the men I talked to, they said they're willing to go to arms. Um, Man, I don't know if that's naivety or, and they're they're older than I am, um, and so they're not, you know, like they're not teenagers or something like that, right? They're, um, they're or, certainly thinking about this yeah. in a serious way. Yeah, or it. Or is it just, um, I don't know, it's tough to... Uh, is it just bravado and masculinity? Right. Is it just, is it macho machismo or, right. or, or do they mean business? Because they seem to mean business. I, and what I mean by that is they said they're not going to, they're, they're going to keep demonstrating until something is done and their demands are met. And key date, which I don't think I mentioned, is the 1st of January, 2023, the first day of next year. That's when officially per the government, the transfer of power is supposed uh, to take place. So okay. they have about a month, a little over a month, about five weeks. So um, well, it and, could be an interesting bookend to our year here. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And and for the audience's sake, if they're not aware, Lula was in prison for alleged corruption. Whether or not it's legitimate, I can't say for sure. But, uh, you know, he was in there for years, from what I understand. And uh, I believe it was actually Glenn Greenwald's work like research and investigations into whether or not he was corrupt mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah. that added credence to his defense that perhaps he was not uh, but obviously you know glenn greenwald lives in brazil uh, yeah. part of the time and he is a very left-leaning uh person so i i have to be a little bit skeptical of his work there but not to say i mean he has been a good reporter on other issues so i'm not i'm not discounting yeah. it i'm just saying he does have some bias here is all as, yeah, as we all do, and and we were actually going to reach out to him while we were there, but as I mentioned, it was it all happened so quickly we didn't have time to. But I'm still going to reach out to Mr. Greenwald and and see what he thinks. Hopefully, he responds. One of my buddies who went um, 
I, I think you know him. I don't want to say his name, though, because I don't know if he wants me to share this info. Yeah, that's but fine. He told me that he reached out to Mr. Greenwald um, while he was in the area, and he didn't receive a response. So hopefully I'll receive a response. And then I'm, I'm, we've also been reaching out to, you know, you you name it, um, over on this side of the, of the pond here and um, to try to get him to pick up this um, journalism attack story. So yeah, we'll see if anybody picks it up, though. So do you think that, uh, I mean, why why is there no American reporting that's occurring there? Have have people been told, you know, this is this is a place that you shouldn't be? Because it, it seems like this would be a natural story that international yeah. investigative reporters would want to be covering. Yeah, well, I was told that. <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as preemptively being told that, possibly. But, you know, these mainstream, like, people, they just do what they're told and they don't. I don't right. know. I'm guessing they don't ask, like, can I go to Brazil? And then they say, no, you can't. Maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see anybody there, man. Like, like I said, like even finding a an English speaker, um, you know, period was was pretty difficult. Um, right. And what well, we're still in touch with them. And, and if you do want to, I'll send you their stuff, uh, you know, off air. And if you want to take a peek and because um, they're looking to get get voices out in the English media, too. Um, so sure yeah i mean this is what i do i like to cover things that people won't so uh yeah you know, i'm i'm happy to do that it, i'm i'm certainly no investigative reporter but i i am also not afraid of uh you know censorship or or covering things that we're not supposed to i think that that's that's what we ought to be doing <laughs> so yeah um yeah. man well i so the 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 conflict just to make sure i understand it exactly like you you confronted him to try and get your bag back, and that's what set off the fight. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And do you think do you think they were trying to steal it? I think it seemed as if they were trying to get me to go with the at the beard somewhere where nobody was looking for whatever reason, and I think they wanted me to forget about my backpack. Um, oh, one more very important thing. The redhead was trying to get Big Tex to go home with her. For sure that was happening. She tried to kiss him several times, but he did not cheat on his girlfriend. <clears throat> so she was trying to get him to go home with her, for sure. Well, God bless him, because she was gorgeous. So <laughs> he's, a, yeah, he's, he's a good dude. Yeah, um, no, he's awesome. He's awesome. Shout out to the British Texan. Yeah, so you think that they, I mean, it seems as if they were trying to get your protection away from you, too. Um you know, yeah, if, I if think he, so. Doesn't it seem away. like that? Like, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what it sounds like for sure. Yeah. I mean, because they're trying to basically isolate you as the only American reporter that's there and take mm -hmm. your your laptop to see what you're actually writing about or, or maybe prevent stories from getting out. Uh, do you think that this was the, the FBI or the CIA agents that were directing this, you know, shakedown intimidation tactics or were they not? affiliated with these people what do you know what the relationship was i don't know it like i don't have proof of it but yeah that's my contention i, I don't think it's an accident that this english speaker after right. all week we've had trouble finding people who speak english and all of a sudden three americans two of whom work for in, basically intelligence agencies show up and are 10 feet away while this guy is is intimidating me i don't think that 
is a random coincidence. I don't either, man. I mean, this is why I asked the question. I just didn't want yeah. to put words in your mouth. So no, you're uh, you're really good at this, Clint. I, I'm for real. <laughs> you are. You're, you're good at being an interviewer. Well, that's a a crazy story, man. I'll I'll greatly look forward to uh, you know your additional reporting as you get a chance to get it out. Go ahead and tell people where they can they can follow you so that they can make sure they see it as it comes out. For sure, yeah. I'm on Twitter, one Addy Ads, one spelled out, O-N-E-A-D-D-Y-A-D-D-S, Rockfin and Rumble as well. I'm on YouTube, but I, I'm trying to send people to Rumble, really, and Rockfin for the videos. Yep. And I'm writing for the National File. I, I went to Brazil on behalf of the National File, uh, so I'm doing writing for them. And uh, please buy me a coffee, folks, because I, I still need it. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Addy Ads. And uh, I also got Venmo and Cash App, too. Uh, if you want to get in touch, I, I try to respond to everybody that sends DMs and uh, and, and help Clint out, too. Buy him a coffee as well. He's just yeah. like one of a few people I, I can count on one hand who do this type of stuff at, at this level. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, if anybody wants to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Uh, this will, if you're listening to the audio right now and you want to see the video of what we covered, because it obviously it included some of the uh, you know raw footage that he had on the ground there. Uh, this will be on either probably Rumble and Rockfin both. Um, but I, I appreciate your time, man, and I appreciate your courage in covering stories that people are are unwilling or unable to. Um, if you uh, if you have any you know further breaking stuff with it certainly let me know man but uh i i hope you're able to confirm if those people were in fact state department employees it, based off the the cards that yep. you showed they they sure seem legitimate to me yep we got their linkedins too and um yeah for sure they are um for sure they are oh they are um, okay man yep. that is wild that is so wild that we have fucking state nuts, dude. and yeah. that's the thing too is like because it happened in in brazil like there's nothing u.s authorities can technically do about it yeah. And one more thing, Emerald reached out to them and the State Department and they, they didn't comment at all. And that was on Monday. So that was a week ago tomorrow, last month. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, that's... Thanks, thanks, Clint. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate Ab it. Absolutely. That was that was fascinating. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you leave a like, comment, subscribe, all the all the good stuff. We're out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Well, I hope you guys found that interview interesting. I sure did. I want to commend Addy for doing the uh, investigative reporting that I am either ill-equipped for or too cowardly for. I don't know which yet. We'll decide later. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was really insightful and concerning, uh, as most of my guests are, unfortunately. But that's the nature of the world, and we're covering stuff that you're not allowed to. So um, speaking of stuff we're not allowed to cover... You guys probably remember the redacted emails between you know, CD, uh, CDC, uh, NIH. It was like Fauci, Burks, everybody that we got the emails released, but they redacted a whole bunch of it. Well, a few days ago, through a FOIA request, those redactions were lifted. And I invited back on Chris Martinson, who uh, has done incredible work on this, disclosing or deciphering what it all means uh, so stay tuned we're going to have another little 30 minute segment where he breaks it all down it's absolutely mind-blowing stuff so stay tuned 
in the meantime, make sure that you support the, the people that support Liberty Lockdown, and that would be Movies Plus. They want to take Hollywood back to focusing on good storytelling instead of pushing agendas. They're sick of the woke being jammed down their throats, and I'm sure you are too. They are the place to be for that type of content. They are freedom of speech maximalists, and their first original series is called Q Sent Me about the Q Shaman. I watched it. It's rad. I, uh, I hope I can get him on my show at some point, um, but he's in jail for a couple of years, it looks like. So pretty sad stuff. Um, but the, the documentary is very well done. Very interesting. They also have a documentary on Nick Fuentes that I watched. Uh, I think it was like the most banned man in America. Absolutely fa fascinating stuff. Fuentes continues to make news as he was on Alex Jones uh, for four hours today <laughs> with, with Kanye West. The world is so crazy, but you could still get high quality content that isn't censored over at mymoviesplus.com. You can use the promo code Liberty and get $5 off an annual subscription. It's all commercial free. It only costs $5.99 a month anyways, but with the five bucks off the annual subscription, it makes it even cheaper. Again, go to mymoviesplus.com or search for Movies Plus in any app store or smart TV to watch on your favorite streaming device. Last but not least, promo code Liberty, mymoviesplus.com. And we are back with Dr. Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity. I almost forgot it. All right. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Hey, it's good to be back with you, Clint. How you doing? I'm I'm good, man. I uh you know, I had you on not long ago, but I, I watched your most recent, I don't know if it's your most recent now, but you know, an episode from a day ago, and you deep dive, I think it was a was it a FOIA request that that got these mm -hmm. emails? Okay, yeah, I figured. Um there was all of the emails from the first few months of the pandemic being a, a thing. It was like the right. January, February, March. I mean, it, there was more than that, but like that was seemed to be the real uh, mystery zone when we all we were all trying to dissect and decipher how the hell did we get such a ludicrous concept of how to address this, uh, the origin, everything else. There is now a whole bunch of these emails that have been unredacted and we have learned a ton chris does an incredible job i will link down below to that episode so you guys can go watch it because i'm not going to expect him to deliver all the goods in a short amount of time but i did want to have you on to talk about uh you know what did we discover oh thanks yeah so so i i first covered the redacted emails which were just this ridiculous thing right because because foia request the original stack of emails came out in 2021 and a FOIA request, I, I read the whole thing. I became familiar with FOIA, not a life goal of mine, never wanted to, right? <laughs> but there's all these different reasons you can redact something. A B4, some sort of trade secret the government feels it has to protect. B5 is like, this could be part of litigation, but it's an interagency thing. B6 is for privacy, right? So I, I learned all this stupid stuff. There were these emails that were coming from outside parties like Jeremy Farrar of the Wellcome Trust has nothing to do with the U.S. government going to, you know, Fauci, Collins, heads of the NIAID, NIH, other people. And they got the B5 redactions, which are not supposed to be used, right, it, you know, for somebody coming from the outside. It's only for interagency. Anyway, they used these FOIA redactions. We had nothing. All I would get was like this email a really tantalizing subject line, like, oh my God, we need to discuss this urgent, Good. you know, and then gray, B5, right? And so this is just the world we live in, Clint. You know, the government feels that it's totally entitled to not be transparent, to redact anything it wants. Everything's a secret, you know? 
And usually when the government redacts something now, that secret means it's embarrassing. So (laughs) we messed up. (laughs) We messed up. We'd rather not have anybody look at this, right? That's what it, that's what it translates into now. So, so I had all that stuff and all I could do was sort of guess what was happening. And that was 2001. So I was up in New Hampshire this weekend with a, a follower of mine, most prepared guy I've ever seen, kid in a candy store. We went out that night and he set me up on one of my platforms and we were hunting hand warmers in the New Hampshire night using thermal scopes. A lot of fun, right? But I came back kind of tired. Sunday night, it's dark. I've just driven four hours home. I get in and somebody's um, PM'd me that, that, hey, have you seen this? And I open it up and instantly my energy went from about two to a hundred. I was like, oh. 100% unredacted the stuff that we were we were wondering about. So, between that, that's how, that, just so you know, that's how I felt watching your episode. I was like, oh, they <laughs> they unredacted all of it? Are you kidding me? Chris has this information. He's going to be able to explain it to me. This is beautiful. Thank you. They oh, I mean, I'm a kid in a candy store because now, you know, the cover gets peeled back. So, what happened? I um, mean, just to set the stage for your listeners. So, here's what happened, you know. Obviously, people in the government were hearing rumors about something back in November and December of 2019, right? By the time we found out about it, say mid-January, they had already, the wheels were already turning hard inside the government. So there's a critical stretch of time here, though, starting on, this is 2020, January 30th, 2020 through February 8th. It's just a nine-day window, we have to understand. So, and that earliest day, we had Anthony Fauci talking with people like Christian Anderson of the Scripps Institute and other virologists, and they weighed in. And the question was kind of like, "Where? what is this thing? Because we finally got the sequence out of China just a few days earlier. So they looked at it and they said, hmm, Christian Anderson quote said, huh, there's some features in this virus which are inconsistent with evolutionary theory, right? Which means didn't come out of nature, right? So so that was their starting point. They're like, ah, there's some weirdness here, which we now all know is true. And somewhere between that moment and February 9th, they went from, we don't know where this came from to we're 100% sure it came from nature. So the question is, what data did they have? We didn't know. So these unredacted emails show that in cahoots with a whole bunch of players who were virologists from Holland, Germany, United States, they were all in the UK, tucking around, trying to figure this thing out. And what we saw in these emails was they were desperately trying to make this come from nature. And anything that was inconsistent with that, they either just ignored, used terrible science or something, right? But as late as, if we're following this, they're not sure, they're not sure, they're going back and forth. Jeremy Farrar's like, I'm 50-50. Some people are like, I'm 70-30, 70% lab, 30. All the way through as they debate this thing, like scientists should, right? February 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. As late as the 8th, they were still like, hmm? On the 9th, that paper that went into nature called The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2 came out, it was submitted, so somewhere between February 8th, where they were like, oh, to February 9th, they were 100% sure. <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, Farrar in particular blows my mind because I think he was he was a co-signer on, I don't know if it was the Nature article or if there was some other you know, declaration. Was that Lancet? Lancet, oh, Lancet. piece where, where they're like, we don't like these conspiracy theorists. Make it yes. like hard for Chinese scientists. Right, right, right. So, so Farrar seems to be one of the only people in this chain that is being honest and then a week later he's signing 
if you if you are me as of a week ago, you're a conspiracy theorist. How the fuck does that happen? I'm just sorry, excuse my language, but like like are these people bought off? I, I, I'm blown away by this. You know, I somebody when you get to Ferrar's level or Collins or Fauci or any of these people, like you know which side of, of the bread is buttered, right? And and they're playing a game, and their game is career survival, you know, power, money, ego, greed, right? That's their game. That's the landscape they play on. Now, you and I might think, you know, if the Titanic's sinking, this would be a good time to put aside our petty differences and figure out, like, how are we going to, what should we do? As yeah, we know, that like had nothing to pandemic. do. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a good time to say, let's put aside the, the grubby, petty crap for a minute and see if we can save some lives. Right. Now, here's why this is so important. So they went from that and then they just went on a tour to slam anybody who dared to suggest that came from anything from nature. Now, how would our response have been different if we'd known, let's just say even we're not sure, 50-50, could right. have been either, we're going to be honest about it. But then I think the scientific community, doctors in particular are going, well, if there's a half chance that this thing came out of a lab, we need to know what we need to know about these things that have been in the lab. Now we peel the cover back. And what I did in this episode is I, I both looked at what was there, but I like what's not there. Yeah. You know who's not there? Ralph Barrick out of UNC. This guy knows more about putting coronaviruses together to kill animals than anybody else in the whole planet, bar none. And they didn't consult him. He wasn't part of this. And I'll tell you why I think that is. And it's because as soon as you introduce him into the conversation, people go, isn't he the guy that's been putting together chimeric coronaviruses where they take pieces from different ones and slap them together and see if they can make them worse. Isn't he the guy who experimented on rabbits and showed that coronaviruses cause myocarditis? Wouldn't this be an important thing to ask him about when we're doing vaccine development and we're going to decide to use the entire spike protein? Wouldn't it be nice to know that there's bad stuff that happens to the heart when we do that? All of that got left out of the conversation. So, so by cramming this into the nature space and keeping it there for a full year, we lost that whole year to be responsive, be intelligent, and more importantly, to go into the literature and say, when we've had coronaviruses like this before, what worked? And by the way, hydroxychloroquine worked on SARS Classic. We know that. They did the studies. But now, everything we thought we knew got left out, and they just crammed everything and into this nature thing, and then they sicked the world's virology community. They are a tight-knit little club. I call them mean girls from the movie mm -hmm. they they i'm blocked by every one of them right because i ask <laughs> questions right? right on twitter i i can't even see their tweets you know and people are like oh my god you just got slammed by angie rasmussen i'm like it happens she's a mean girl right <laughs> and anderson is a mean girl and uh you know all these they're just a they're a little crappy club of people who did something really bad and now they're acting super guilty right yeah, well, I, I think they are guilty at this point. And, and that was kind of the conclusion I take away from this, because the fact that you suppress, you know, not just the origin story, but then you also suppress the treatments that appear to be effective. Um, I mean, whether or not they are silver bullets is obviously up in the air, but there has been enough evidence, especially given the, the risk profile for drugs like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, things like that. It just doesn't make sense that you would come out so aggressively in opposition to it unless you are working for someone other than the people. And, and in my estimation, it seems as if they were working for 
the pharmaceutical companies to make sure that the vaccine was the only pathway, which ultimately ended up being a dead end because it wasn't even a pathway to, quote unquote, ending the pandemic. And I can't help but conclude that these people are not working as you know fiduciaries to the American people, much less the global community. It seems as if they are strictly working for you know financial interests or power power brokers. Uh, am I off at all? No, no, you're not off at all. The 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 odd part about this story that I haven't gotten to, which I don't understand, is is more psychological slash evolutionary humans sometimes go weird mobs i don't know what it is but it's the whole mass psychosis so listen people are always going to be self-interested that's fine but the check and balance in this story is supposed to be the fourth estate right the the press is supposed to be there asking questions right so so i've been as right as anybody i know i know robert malone has been very right and peter mccullough there's a lot of people who've been very right here's the number of times i have personally been reached out to or interviewed by anybody I would call MSM, right? New York right. Times, Washington Post, all of them. I'm going to add them all into one number, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> and that so crazy. Zero. <laughs> that is right? so crazy. I mean, it, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I, I, I literally had one piece written about me in like, I think it was March of 2020, and it was by Mother Jones. And they called me a conspiracy theorist who's just trying to like, you know, get money. I was grifting, right? I was just trying to scare people into, you know, signing up for my website. And, and that's how they characterize the whole thing. This is Mother Jones, which ostensibly still in their mission statement. We support citizen activist journalism because that's how they got started, right? And, and now they're just like this lame ass tool for, is for pharma. And it's just such a disappointing, you know, life ending moment for them. They're, you know? they're like citizen <laughs> activist journalism. Not that though. Not that. Not that. You don't question Not that this. Kind. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it really is disappointing. Um, I mean, but it's it's so evident that you're just, you know, whether or not you have any back-end product that you're selling, it's kind of irrelevant to the work that you're doing. It's like the work you're doing is – I watched the full hour and a half or however long it was uh, where you break down these emails. It's quite evident you know what you're talking about. And, uh, and it's very disappointing that, you know, corporate media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call them, uh, would not be interested in breaking this story. And I think this once again demonstrates that it's not just, you know, the uh, kind of fascistic corporatist rot that has taken over our medical industry. It's obviously taken over our media as well. I can't come to any other conclusion simply because, you know, there is market demand for the truth. Like there is. Uh, you mm -hmm. and I are both benefactors of that, that, you know, there are an audience yeah. for what we are attempting to do. And yet, these companies decide not to do it. They decide not to meet that market demand. And, and I think that that shows that there's more uh, benefit to going along with government narratives than there is in opposing them. And uh, until that changes, I don't know what, how we break through. I don't either, but I'm going to go one step further because you would think at some point, like like I'm doing pretty well at, at what I do because there is a de market demand for truth, right? Right. And you watch Joe Rogan, he's doing pretty well because there's True. a market demand for an open, long-form conversation. And you're doing pretty well because you're talking, you know, honestly, authentically about wherever the data goes, you'll, you'll have that conversation. So where there's market demand, a product always follows. Now, joint, let's, let's wander over to CNN, which is just like going this. It's controlled dive into terrain. All I can conclude is that somebody uses CNN as a loss leader 
for narrative control because they're not making money at it and they suck at it and they're getting all the feedback they need from the market to say they, it doesn't want your product, right? Yeah. So it's a loss leader. So now we have to peel that back and say, well, who who's, who's willing to just lose money like crazy in support of the main narrative? And I think we can come up with a list of suspects, but let's be absolutely clear. When you have a dying business and you somehow can't figure out how to turn it around, listen, sometimes there's bad management, but this is true for all sorts of different branches of the mainstream media. They're just, you know, it's astonishing. I have programs that come out and I'm a nobody and I feel fairly shadow banned and throttled that exceed the numbers of some of these mainstream anchors. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. sooner or later, you think they'd wake up and go, can we tool our product up a little bit? What would that look like? You know? No, no, I think you're, I, that's such a great point because I think that with the advent of the internet and, and actual citizen journalism, um, you know, print news has been dying. So it makes pretty much perfect sense that if you have this industry that is responsible for setting narrative in not just the country, but the world, I mean, New York mm -hmm. times, these are like, these are read the world over. Um, and, and they're dying financially. The government, it's such a, it's such a weak point. It's such a great entry point to basically like completely acquire it as, as a, you know, an operating entity of your government. And you know, I'm not, afraid of saying i think that's probably what happened i think that our our corporate media is is owned by the government and maybe the global governments uh i think that they probably get paid by a bunch of them but i'm, I'm not going to ask you to agree to that i would like to get your assessment as to um you know what was the the biggest smoking gun in your estimation aside from the fact that the the lab origin seems to have been suppressed is there any other disclosures within those emails that really caught your eye um it, it was really the 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 tone and tenor of how they were trying to jeremy farrar to be honest he was trying honestly to, to keep the conversation open and then you would see these people weigh in who are highly conflicted obviously they have huge conflicts of interest right these are virologists right so so um you know Ron uh, Fouchier out, out of, uh, you know, Amsterdam and, and you got um, uh, Christian Anderson. Like if this turns out to be true that it's lab leak, they stand to lose their jobs potentially because funding is going to dry up as a normal society would say, wow, that sucked. Mm. We shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. So they're obviously deeply conflicted. Right. Yeah. Watching them just try as hard as they can to ignore evidence. It, it wasn't science. It was science, you know, and but that really set the tone. And, and for me, the biggest smoking gun is just the the way in which they went about trying to craft their arguments. They were nonsensical. They were never followed up on. They didn't follow the data. They're easily disproven. They were fundamentally disproven since that point in time. And they've only doubled and tripled down on their stance, right? They came mm -hmm. out just last year. I mean, just this year, just a little while ago, they came out with this awful study of the Wuhan wet market was the epicenter of two papers agree with all the same authors, right? Eddie Holmes, Anderson, you know, all the same people are on both of them. They're like two studies show. And these purported to show that it must have come from the Wuhan market because they said that's where they found the earliest cases. And our first question has to be is like that, you know, about right. Mm -hmm. How sure are you that China told you about the first cases? Hmm? Right. Right. Does China have any interest potentially that this came out of a wet market? China sampled 80,000 animals, including every animal in that wet market, found zero cases of this coronavirus at any time. And now you're going to trust that China gave you the right location data off of the cell phones. You know, 
How about that? China only allowed, I mean, I still feel bad. I'm a little, I'm a little salty about China because I actually fell for those early videos coming out. Hmm. Hallways full of people dying, shaking in their chairs, keeling over on the streets. Remember all those? Yep. For a while, yeah. early on, like January, February, I was like, oh no, this looks really bad, right? And then now I understand if a video comes out of China, it's because they wanted you to see it. Yes. Period. Well, <laughs> so, I, I I need to I need to draw this this connection because I I had this exact thought last night. I was watching a uh, you know how you can you can get uh, your health pass turned to red in China and then you have to go mm -hmm. into a quarantine camp. Allegedly, I don't know if that's actually true because I don't know anything is true when I when I see it about uh, China. But there was this man in his apartment being torn off the the couch by these two men in white suits, you know, to be put into quarantine. And there's someone videoing it and not just someone videoing it, but they're not, the phone's not taken away. It's allowed to be uploaded. Like these are things that just don't really happen in China. You would think that those people that are, that are tearing this man off of his couch in his you know private apartment would have turned around, seen the person recording and been like, you're now going to jail or give us the phone. We're deleting that. But it just is out there and you can see tons and tons of these videos. And it doesn't make sense to me because they have, you know, basically a total panopticon where they're able to lock down all social media in that country for the most part. Is is this another psyop? I, do you have any opinion? I, I'm not asking you to to swing for the fences here, but I have it's to ask. It's absolutely a psyop. It's a great question, and and here's how I know. Again, that we have to go to the negative space in this story. So they're showing us riots and people throwing metal barricades at the Tyvek suited policemen, and and so. We know those videos are supposed to come out. I don't know why. I can't speculate what what their 4D chess is, why they want us to see those images at this time, but they do. And the reason I know that is the negative space. They are still committing a mass genocide against the Uyghurs, which is millions of people. And I have yet to see a single video about hmm. that. Hmm. But I have authoritative, you know, sources that tell me it's happening, right? Yeah. So so again. If, you know, and I never see any videos of like, you know, Chinese military buildups or, you know, any like all that, uh, that stuff just doesn't come out. And then you get these little bursts like, oh, look at all the protest stuff coming out. Oh, look at all the COVID stuff coming out. Right. Um, yeah, those yeah. are controlled. And yeah. I think the first psyop was to get the whole world as scared of COVID as, as they could. That was like they didn't want it to be sourced to Wuhan Institute of Virology, but they definitely wanted the world on board. With this larger we all have to be terrified of this of this deadly disease right right, right. and they're continuing that so every one of those tear somebody off a, a couch clint i think is meant to reinforce the idea that china takes zero COVID very seriously uh, it's still that deadly okay well that, that could we can, that could that could be the angle um i i do want to ask you just kind of a, a global question as to what we think has occurred because after reading these emails that have been unredacted you get to basically realize that these these scientists at the highest level of you know whatever <laughs> the establishment uh, mm -hmm. are not they're not interested in the truth that's for damn sure I mean that's that's so crystal clear like e even if it was you and I on an email chain in early 2020 it would have been far I'm not even a scientist it would have been far better science because we're like mm -hmm. we we're not coming with any presupposition we're not we're not entering this with like we need to make sure that this one possible outcome is not what we conclude at the end of the day. And that's that's quite evident. That's what they're working towards. Not so much so that they are also demonizing 
people, you know, the Great Barrington Declaration, things like that. They're they're going right. out of their way to make sure that narrative, that possible outcome of the reality of the situation, which, by the way, seems to be 99% the what actually transpired, and they're suppressing it every step of the way. Why? I mean, they they are working. They're in bed with China. Uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, you have Fauci, who's funding it through, uh, I think it was NIAID, but maybe it was NIH, I can't remember. Um, yep. Like, is are, are, are they working in tandem? I, I, I had Dr. Robert Malone on just yesterday, and I asked him this. Are, is it our CIA working in tandem with the CCP? Like, because I can't, I can't come to any other conclusion, or, or are we, is our government controlled by the CCP? Like, I can't, I don't know what's going on. I don't. Do you have an opinion? Mm, so it's kind of weird. So there's certain parts of the deep state military that they keep pretty separate. I'm pretty sure that we're not busy sharing nuclear secrets right. with any of our, you know, Russian, Chinese, African, wherever, you know, nobody else. I'm pretty sure those are kept under lock and key. But for well, some we, reason, we shared them with Israel a long time ago, I think. But well, with Israel, fine. for sure. Yeah. 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 No, no, that, that part, that part is clear. But I mean, you know, <laughs> otherwise countries you would consider more adversarial. Right. Right. Um, you know, something like that, but, but something weird about the, the biological weapon side of this is a little great, little fuzzier. And I yeah. don't understand why um, there seems to be a lot of sharing of that. I mean, we know that like we it, it got found out went memory hold right away. I love things get memory hold. Cause that's where I, I like to start looking. Yeah, Apparently too. there were, I don't know, a couple dozen biological laboratories in Ukraine. Right. Why, 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 why Ukraine, you know? Um, and, and so that's kind of an, a weird story, a whole rabbit hole to fall down. But we're funding through the US DOD biological weapons research laboratories in foreign countries that aren't entirely under our control and we can't even guarantee are going to be all that friendly. And China would be one of those. And so Fauci was on CNN doing CYA the day after this FOIA came out, by the way. He was looking a little nervous. I like seeing that, right? I wanted to see that guy squirm, right? <laughs> and eventually more. Uh, yeah. But he, I'd rather he, see him in shackles, but I'll take squirming for now. Squir squirming, right? <laughs> squirming in shackles, and then maybe we'll we'll talk after that. Um. So, uh, but he he said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, no, uh, yeah, we we put maybe a hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand uh, into uh, eco health, you know, and then then they didn't do none of that. We already know it was released over a year and a half ago. There was a right to know organization that was tracking funding and discovered that Eco Health Alliance in the prior decade had burned somehow $120 million of U.S. funding coming from the NIAID, but also, this is where Tony just conveniently left some things out, coming out of the U.S. State Department, coming out of the DOD, coming out of U.S. AID, like weird organizations to be throwing that much money to some people who are just doing some sampling in some caves, right? It, it, mm -hmm. So the whole thing stinks to high heaven. We know that. Now, to your question, though, where did that 120 million go? That we, then this is just one group. This is just the Eco Health Alliance. Are there others? You right. bet, right? Yeah. But this is the one that sort of popped up. And maybe this is the limited hangout. And you know, they put a bullet in that and it goes away. And and we say, oh my gosh, thank God we got rid of that, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> piece mm -hmm. of trash. And we don't talk about the rest, right? But right. we were up to our eyeballs transferring coronavirus chimeric technology to Wuhan Institute of Virology, a lot of cross-pollination. There was money, but more than that, there was expertise. And we were sharing all of that with them. And these things are clearly weaponizable. And they were exploring that for that particular purpose. Remember, Event 201, October 2019, who's in the room? Oh, 
the Bill Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, the US CIA, State Department, bunch of US mainstream media, all the major pharma companies talking about a coronavirus pandemic, which by the way, we'd never really had one before. So interesting timing, right? So we know that there was a lot of activity around this. So when you say, you know, why was the coronavirus response so badly mangled? It wasn't bungled. It went according to the script they laid down. And the script was, we have to stop people from talking about this. We have to control the narrative. We have to make sure that people do what we want. And we may well be using brand new hastily rushed through vaccines and we can't have hesitancy. We need full compliance around that. What do we do? Right? Yeah. They never asked a question in event one. I went through the whole thing. Cost me a life, life moments I'll never get back. <laughs> and they never, they never once said, how do we save the most lives? Like that wasn't literally was not a topic of conversation. <laughs> right. Did did they ever talk about how they circumvent the constitution to do any of this? They didn't directly talk about that that I found. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not the surprised. things they were talking about doing directly circumvent the constitution. Remember, well, I mean, how crazy was it? we had the CDC coming out saying, Hey, Clint, you're a landlord moratorium. You can't, you can't uh, you know, yeah. evict somebody who isn't paying. Like, let me get my seed, let me get my well, constitution out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I don't see that. <laughs> that. I don't think that one's allowed. Uh, well, not just that, but in terms of, you know, having direct lines of communication with big tech, allegedly private companies, which apparently Apple is a private company. If it wants to, you know, suppress uh, dissident speakers in China, that's okay. And they're a private company. And the Biden administration have nothing, nothing to say about that. However, if you're Twitter and you want to not suppress speech in America, well, then uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre will threaten to basically nationalize your business. I mean, this is, it's so obvious that they're treating these companies, like if you do the bidding of the Biden regime, you are a private business, quote unquote. But guess what? If you're just doing the bidding of the regime, you're not a private business. So we don't have private businesses in this country anymore. And if you attempt to be one, as it appears Elon is attempting to be, because he's taking it off of publicly traded, he's, you know, pushing back against all of these people that want him to continue with the old censorship uh, terms of service, then you're persona non grata and you can be shut down. I mean, are you, are you stunned at, at what has occurred in our, our business world? Cause I think for me as a entrepreneur and a businessman, like that, that is the thing that has disturbed me the most, you know, that we just are, we've gotten so far away from any mm -hmm. semblance of capitalism and it happened seemingly overnight. I know it's been a longer period, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And and this has caught me by surprise a little bit, but I have an organizing framework that helps me think this through and it fits a little bit. See, see if this, see if this plays. Um, Henry Kissinger in his 1958 PhD thesis said, Hey, when we study revolutions that are successful, right? So the status quo gets swept away and there's a new power block in play. What has to happen? And he said, what has to happen is that the revolutionaries have to push so hard so fast that as the status quo is re rebelling and, and reacting to step one of what you've just done, you're already on step three. Mm. They never catch up, right? So so I, I think the, the corresponding phrase that I forget the other author put it, he said, um, revolutions don't lead to social change. Social change leads to revolutions. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to do is you have to undermine the social underpinnings. Remember right. the WF said, hey, eight things we'd like to see by 2030. One of them is Western values, 
will be tested to the breaking point. (laughs) Why not Chinese values? Why not African values? I'm a little unclear. You know, (laughs) how come Africa handled the coronavirus flawlessly and nothing happened? And but we got ourselves all wrapped around that axle, you know, Mm -hmm. and look at all the things that have been under assault. So that our social underpinnings are under assault here. Right. Even the sense of are you male or female? I don't know. Up for question. We can't right. get our arms around that one anymore. Um, should parents actually be allowed to dictate what how their children are educated? Maybe not. Do you even own that property that you think you do? The CDC says you really don't. These are fundamental assaults at the underpinnings of our core values, which is private property, individual liberty, and the fact that I get to say what goes in my body. Right. I so they wanted to blur all those boundaries and break them down because there's a revolution happening. And you first step of that, according to Kissinger, is you got to knock the pillars out, right? And then and then you sweep in. So that's how it got to the point where I saw a Salon article just the other day, headline, the writer was like, well, I don't like that Elon Musk is doing things that I don't like. So I think the government should nationalize this so we can get back to the form of censorship I most want to see. Exactly. Right? Yeah. How does that even happen, right? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not so surprised to hear some journal say something like that. I am a little disturbed to see the, you know, the press secretary up there saying it overtly. You know, it's like what yeah. is happening? Yeah, and how did we get here this quickly? And it, it's because we need to we need to get through that adjustment reaction of saying this is happening. It's really going down. These people are deadly serious and they're not interested in modifying society these are authoritarians who want to sweep aside the old society because they have a better utopia in mind right. now history is pretty clear on this clint every time people try and create that utopia they always end up creating hell and so that's why i'm a little bit against all this because these people are fundamentally clueless I, I could give 99 out of 100 people who would write that salon headline a welding tool and they wouldn't know what to do uh, they wouldn't know how to get a cut of beef out of a cow they wouldn't know how to frame a stud they wouldn't know how to really do anything because almost all of these people who are agitating for this utopia, if we could just get there, they actually don't know how to make a damn thing. They're actually useless in terms of fundamentally doing any of the things that are required for, for value to be really created. Yeah. Or civilization to function. I mean, I think that's the, the hilarious aspect of this is like, if there is a great reset where we have a global depression and you migrate to central bank digital currency and blah, 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 blah. Um, or if there's uprising civil wars, things like that, these people are all fucked. Like they can't do any of the stuff that's necessary to like actually create, uh, you know, the foundations for a functioning economy or anything like that. Like they, their, their only value is in a electric, you know, electronic economy where, you know, you can get clicks and things like that. So I don't, it's, it's wild that they have been, um, either coerced or propagandized or just bought off into going along with this narrative because I think it ultimately ends in disaster for them. But setting that aside, you do great work. Please tell people Thank where you. they can they can follow you and uh, hopefully they'll go watch the full episode because that was unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, last name is Martinson, M-A-R-T-E-N-S-O-N. So just search that. You'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, places. But peakprosperity.com, that's my website. That's where everything gets loaded. And we've got a great community of people there. Um, we're all curious and have open minds and beginning, we're forming a tribe. So so we've got a tribe and we're connecting with other tribes out there because guess what? There's a great awakening happening. So Peak really prosperity is. is where we do that. And, and it's just, I'm really honored by the people who've, who've chosen to come there and, and participate. It's, I mean, they're, they're rock stars. So yeah. it, it's a lot of fun. I love it. Well, you're a rock star, Chris. Uh, I really do appreciate your work, man. That 
I, the reason yeah. I actually I, I ended up watching it um, because I'm pretty busy and I can't watch much these days. But uh, the reason I watched it is because I intended to do it. I, I was going to do exactly what you did. I was going to go through the unredacted emails and I was like, oh, shit, Chris already did it for me. So I'm going to save myself the, the brain damage of parsing all this information out and I'm going to let uh, Mr. Chris Martin, Martinson do it. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I sure did. Uh, can't believe the the caliber of guests that I get to have on now. I really feel as if I'm I'm learning as much as I have in my life. And uh, you know, I went to college. <laughs> Didn't learn anywhere near the uh, the caliber of things that I am today. So I'm very grateful to be in this position. And I hope that uh, you guys feel as if you're getting quality too. If you do. Feel free to support my work over at libertylockdown.locals.com or go to toplops.com, pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt, become a walking billboard, let the ladies know about the Liberty Lockdown. Huh? Do it. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. We're out. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood, lefties lyrical feminine A typo in Luke might bring them nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running out, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with a fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic a rip of 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king get them off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this don't get treated like a hoe